Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And I just have to say, have you missed us? <laughs> we have, I know, I, J.C., I can't tell you how many... People contacted me on Facebook and Twitter and have they kicked you off YouTube? Have they kicked you off Twitter? Where have you been? I have not really been posting on social media. We haven't done the Daily Journal since Tuesday last week because we, uh, JC and I taught 22 classes in seven days across New Mexico and Southern California. And uh, boy, I tell you what, that'll wear you out. I think I'm getting too old for this kind of stuff. <laughs> a lot. Nine years ago, nine years ago when I was, when I started doing this, I would, I did that all the time. Maybe I'm just out of practice. <laughs> so we've got some really great topics. I feel like we got to get caught up or something, but I wanted to talk to you, uh, first start off talking about the fact that the house passes the $15 minimum wage bill. And What's what's amazing to me is I have all of these politicians. Uh, Dan Crenshaw, by the way, made some kind of uh, YouTube 30-second, three-minute video about why this is an economically bad idea. And I'm just wondering, when are we going to get the kind of little chunky, I call them Prager-style video, of some representative pointing out that the federal government doesn't have the authority to create a federal minimum wage law, and they don't have the authority to impress, impose minimum wage on anybody but federal employees. Seriously, a federal minimum wage law is perfectly fine if it only governs federal workers, right. period. But I wanted to show everybody something that just shows you uh, probably maybe maybe an indication, JC, of why our founders never wanted us to be able to engage or the federal government to engage in these kind of laws. Because historically, when they do that, it's completely arbitrary, right? We don't have just a blanket federal minimum wage law. I pulled this. If you're watching us on YouTube, I pulled this off the the Labor Department's website. And so not everybody is bound by a federal minimum wage law, which is crazy. Independent contractors are not bound by federal minimum wage laws, only employees. Outside salespeople, you know, people who work for commission and stuff like that, they're not bound. 
but workers on small farms are not bound by minimum wage bills. Switchboard operators employed by phone companies with more than seven, <laughs> with no more than 750 stations. Yeah. I, how is this just not completely arbitrary? No wallpaper in their offices, no more than seven steps per flight. Yes, yes. In the building. <laughs> Employees of seasonal amusement or recreational businesses. Employees of local newspapers having a circulation of less than 4,000. How how can the federal this is this is I think very borderline infringing on freedom of press when the federal government can mandate what newspapers have to pay their employees right so then if you can't afford to pay your employees $15 an hour then your newspaper has to fold or you have to reach just simply less than 4000 people and and for me Understanding the founding fathers and the freedom of press and how they opposed these kinds of, this is really a form of taxation if you think about it. So this is a, a tax regulation on press. Well, Newspaper think, deliverers. Think about that one, uh, employees of local newspapers having a circulation of less than 4,000. You said keep it below 4,000. It's almost an employment cap. Yeah. Right, because you're sort of pressuring the business. Then, then any business sort of on the borderline is not going to hire more employees, or may fire some employees to well, get below the cap. Well, it's not an employment four thousand employees. Oh, the circulation. It's the circulation. I see. Gotcha. So you have to keep your audience small. You can't actually have mm -hmm. a powerful voice. Otherwise, gotcha. the government's going to come and ding you. Right. Impose their fifteen dollar an hour tax. I see. So you, you're limiting no the voice. Switchboard operators, phone companies with no more than Seven. 750 stations. So that's the same kind of thing. Same kind of have. thing for a phone company. Apprentices, students, and learners as defined by federal law. So it sort of caps expansion. Like you don't right. want to expand your business. Right, right. If you do, it'll cost you. But it's just completely arbitrary. What about, I, I don't know. I mean, seriously, who has switchboard operators anymore anyway? But it, it is really an arbitrary thing when you can say, okay, uh, employees of a local newspaper, why? Why? Apprentices, why? Why? Outside salespeople. So here's my advice, JC. I actually have advice to future employ to all American employers who don't want to pay the federal minimum wage bill if you don't follow uh, fall under one of these uh, exemptions. Hmm. Don't have any more employees. Treat every single person as an independent contractor, right. which you can do, right? So, and it's infinitely easier for the employer because you don't have to collect a W-2. You don't have to have an accountant to take care of all the taxes. You just issue all your independent contractors, formerly known as employees, a 1099, right? And then instead of filling out a timesheet, all your independent contractors, formerly known as employees, fill out an invoice at the end of their shift saying, okay, so this is the number of hours that I worked. This is the agreed rate that we agreed for the number of hours. And so now I'm issuing an invoice to my employer for the number of hours that I've worked. And I think that this would doubly uh, better America, right? So you could hire more people. You wouldn't have to have, uh, you wouldn't have to have insurance. 
You wouldn't have to give medical insurance or anything like that because they're independent contractors. And this is, this is my favorite part, JC. All people who were formerly known as employees will now have to file their own taxes in which they will now have to figure out how much they pay to Social Security, how much of their wages uh, are to be taxed. And it's, it's like the, the compromise. My, my idea is after you get your paycheck, everybody should have to go next door and actually write a check to the tax collector. But this way, everybody who is an independent contractor would either have to file quarterly or file at the end of the year in which they actually have to write a check for all their taxes. So clearly the Senate when, is not going to pass something like this, but I, I wonder if, if, you know, if the Senate passed a, a bill like this, a, a law. You're not uh, impressed by my solution. No, I just I, think it's I brilliant. <laughs> well, again, it's all theoretical because nobody would... The Senate's not going to pass it. But yeah. So if, but that, if that kind of thing happened, anyway. that kind of thing happened, you know, I wonder would somebody sue? Surely somebody be ready to sue based on, you know, Tenth Amendment type. This is not enumerated power. And I wonder There's where. There's already a federal minimum wage law. Why, if that were the case, JC, people would be suing already. No, that's not necessarily true. Just because they it didn't, haven't done it doesn't, hurt doesn't enough. mean they won't ever do it. Yeah, because it doesn't hurt enough. No, I mean nobody. Maybe nobody's thought about it, but I'm just saying, where would the Supreme Court be at this moment in time? I think about Mac v. Prince mm -hmm. that says, well, you can't, you know, the federal government can't co-op state resources, right? law enforcement resources in particular. Uh, but yet then you have the uh, Roberts decision on ACA saying that the government can make you buy a product. No, actually, he didn't, so, though. In the a original ACA opinion, he said we look well, to the states. Tax, but he says it's But he tax. looks to the states to nullify them. Yeah, okay. I get that. But, but he did say it. I understand that. But he also said they can do this. Right. In, it's a in tax, the same not opinion. a penalty. So that's what I'm saying. Where would they be? This kind of runs along those same lines, and you have contradicting contradictory opinions from the court yeah, where, I where think would this court be i think this court would be okay because they would just find some kind of way to fit it under the commerce clause and uh labor laws have always sort of snuck in and fit under that over expansive misapplication of the commerce clause and the you know the duty to keep people safe it was very clear on the labor uh department's page for this minimum wage uh you know, who has to pay minimum wage was that the entire minimum wage law, they said, was to keep uh, away child labor. Right. So it's all, you know, just figure how you're going to save the children. And that's or you could thing. get another Robert's opinion like you referred to. Well, we're, we're going to say it's OK, but if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Right. Right. Well, on the labor law page, the on, on the Department of Labor's page, they say, well, um, some states actually have minimum wage laws, but if your state has a minimum wage law and it's less than the federal minimum wage, then you have to pay the federal minimum wage. So even on the Department of Labor's page, it totally denies the state's authority in this matter. And now because of the illegitimate 16th Amendment, then they can enforce this, right? I mean, they can pretty much now reach into bank accounts because of direct taxation. Right. And the IRS being theoretically, ev lawless. theoretically everywhere but North Dakota, 
because North Dakota has a state bank and North Dakota could stop the federal government from garnishing the wages of those who are participating in the North Dakota state bank. Yeah, as long and as that's the all solution. your economic activity was contained in that state. Well, you're you're a pra yeah. practically a I mean yeah yeah you got freedom in there but then you're practically a prisoner within your state. Well, there uh, wouldn't be any reason. I mean, the federal government can't can't track your purchases outside <laughs> the state. What? Well, they, but they're not going to garn. What I'm saying is, if they can't garnish your wages, they can't get to your money. If your wages are protected in a bank that will not allow the federal government access to your wages. That doesn't make you a prisoner of the state. You can still purchase other places. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Man, lots happened in the last nine days and nothing ever talks about it. You know all they're talking about today is Trump's is racist. Trump's racist. Uh, Trump makes offensive words. Trump told some females they needed to go home or go back to their country or something. And and now not only is, you know, the, the, the leftists are freaking out, but now the Republicans are freaking out. How do we manage this? How do we manage what Trump is? Trump told some you know, some people to go back to their country, some representatives, not based on the fact of their race, but not based on the fact of their gender, but based on the fact that they're communists, they're yeah, socialists. I I, so I didn't follow it in detail. I, as I understand it, I thought he said, if you hate, if you hate mm -hmm. this country, go back where you came from. Right. I, I don't know if he even mentioned specific people. Like apparently he said that's that statement. If you don't like, Amer if you hate America, go back where you came from, and then those four, those four decided to have a get offended and have a press conference about it. Well, you know, it's all about sure it's all about him responding to other people's tweets. That's how it all got brought in together, yeah, sure. right? So, you know, we, we have all of this distraction when there's some really important things going on. Uh, nobody's talking about this. Well, Brooklyn is kind of a foreign country. <laughs> Yeah, but he wasn't even talking to her. I'm just saying. So if he, if he, she just jumped on was. the bandwagon so she could have the hot, the yeah. the high, the, so, the limelight again. Somalia so. is definitely a foreign country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Pretty sure. Right. Pretty sure. Although, Pretty sure Brooklyn is too. <laughs> hey, now we we taught in Queens this year, and there's some some really great patriots there. They might I call exception to that. No, they just live in a foreign country. They're great patriots. <laughs> yeah. But. Their, their place has been taken over and turned into someplace else. So the, the, the leftists are all complaining about enforcing immigration laws at the border. So I wanna, wanted to show everybody what's going on. So a first off, let me just say this from the beginning. Part of our problem that we've always been talking about with the federal government is that Congress 
is just constantly abdicating, sloughing off its responsibilities on the executive branch through federal acts, right? They trade all their, they send all their power to the executive branch so that uh, the pre- so that they can't be accountable for it. Well, now it's really coming back to bite them mm-hmm. because now the executive branch is not online with the House of Representatives, and they're now exercising all the power that Congress has been sloughing off to them for decades. In, in efforts to actually enforce certain laws and to do uh, do what, what Donald Trump would say is best for America, right? And so the, um, the immigration department, the Department of Immigration has now issued a new asylum rule that says pursuant to statutory authority, the departments are amending their respective op- regulations to provide that with limited exceptions. An alien who enters or attempts to enter the United States across the southern border after failing to apply for protection in a third country outside the alien's country of citizenship, nationality, or last lawful habitable residence through which the alien transited en route to the United States is ineligible for asylum. So let me tell you what that means. If they're coming to America claiming for asylum and they didn't claim asylum in any other country along the way, uh-huh. They don't get to claim asylum here either. I, I think that's logical. Yeah, I mean, seriously, no, I what's the I definition can't. of claiming asylum is you're fleeing for your life yeah. to get out of a certain country that's abusing you. Yeah. Help! Okay, no, not you. Help! No, not you. Help! No, not you. Uh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and now the new regulation that is written under statutory authority, right, which I would tell you is unconstitutional to begin with because asylum is not a uniform rule of naturalization, it's not a pathway to naturalization, and it's not a power the president or the executive branch is supposed to be exercised. But I do find it somewhat amusing, right, that this administration has this uncanny knack of taking the power that Congress has unconstitutionally sloughed off and then highlighting the problems that we're having, right? Mm-hmm. So now you've got the whiny, you got the whiny House of, of, of Representatives whining about the president exercising a power that they actually gave to him so they wouldn't have to be accountable for it. Mm-hmm. By but, the way, with all that's going on, I can't hear this without thinking Area 51. I just, <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. That's because you live An with a alien who of- enters or attempts to enter the United States. Like they've already crossed the southern border. They're in Nevada. <laughs> in Area 51. How many people are going to show up there? How many people are going to break into Area 51? How many people are going to get shot? With rubber bullets. <laughs> Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris and Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. Hey, our next show, we're going to have a special guest. You must tune in to our next show. 
Uh, our special guest will be Larry Stevenson, a.k.a. the Bearded Black Cowboy. You don't want to miss this interview. By the way, this is going to be our, our, our first interview via YouTube where you can go to the YouTube channel and actually watch Larry as we interview him. And we're going to be interviewing him about his, his amazing uh, gun training and the gun training that we're going to be having in August the what we call the in defense of liberty training which is constitutional training hand-to-hand -hand self defense active shooter defense handgun accuracy and precision training real life shooter training from i say the best firearms trainer in america would you disagree with me no would not disagree with this so make sure you tune in to the next show so that you can be a part of that again i just I don't know, JC. I, I just sort of have have this sort of giddiness over the fact that that the executive branch is finally calling out the legislative branch, uh, calling their bluff, right? So this is why, by the way, this is why I believe we should never have a House, Senate, and executive branch that are all the same party. We should always have. If we're going to be stuck with this duopoly, right, then we should always have different parties in, in power, in majority in the different branches, because we have to have this kind of opposition. Otherwise, you know, you just, they just run around with all the authority that they want. Okay. You know, run roughshod. I mean, I'm not happy with Are the due system, but, you know, we've got to have this kind of opposition. Although when we had a Republican House and a Republican Senate and a, and a Democrat president, you didn't see any of this opposition. I wonder, yeah. oh, well, it just goes my theory because we don't actually have two parties that fight each other. We only have one party or one person. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, so um, Donald Trump, I, I wanted to talk about this because Donald Trump is refusing uh, he's not going to go forward with the citizenship question on the 2020 census now, but has said we're going to use other federal records, which I think <laughs> is another amazing thing, right? So he's just come out and said, all right, fine, we don't need the census. We got thousands of other federal documents that we're going to use. I mean, we, uh, on the Chris Ann Hall show, all several the years forms ago, that you guys said were, that we're you, okay. That you're not calling racist. Right, right. Like ATF form. same stinking question. Right. ATF form 4473 was one that we've covered on the Chris Anna Hall show, which is the ATF form for over-the-counter purchases of firearms. And right there in, 20, in, in question 20C and 20D, you have questions about citizenship. Not only, JC, this is so great, not only questions about citizenship, but demands for documentation proving your alien status which can't be on the census because it's racist because <laughs> it can't be on the census but it's racist but if you want to buy a firearm it can be on the firearm forms now apparently it can be on the community survey forms as well you know because those were on there during the obama administration but once again I, as, as displeased as I am with the constitutionality and a lot of the advice that Donald Trump's advisors are giving him, this sort of, whoever he has is this clever. cleverness going on in there. I, I, I appreciate the cleverness. Savvy. 
politically savvy. savvy. You know what I would love? I would love to see the same clever, savvy people get in control of the Department of Justice. I like to see them get in tro- control of the Federal Reserve. That's just me. Do you have what? the FAFSA form? Also, oh, the, the FAFSA the free, form. I didn't put that up it? there. Federal application for, for financial, student aid. Yeah. Federal student aid. Uh-huh, free federal, application for federal student that's aid. That's it. Whatever. Free application for federal student aid. Yeah, it's on there. I just stumbled across that the other day. I mean, there are tons of forms, that federal forms that ask the so-called citizenship question that John Roberts deemed too racist for the census, but not racist for all these other Well, no, no, let, let me correct this a little bit, because if that were actually the case, JC, then maybe Robert's opinion would have been a little bit more uh, palpable. But Roberts didn't say the question was racist. He said the secretary's motivation was racist. Yeah. So that that's, I mean, that's a little bit different because what Roberts did was he pulled stuff that wasn't even in the judicial record. He pulled stuff that was not even in the court's record, not even presented as argument and said, this guy's racist, so this question must be bad. Which is, oh, I don't even want to go there. It's just yeah. crazy. That's crazy what, isn't that what they call situational ethics? I mean, yes. because you have Barack Obama ask, the exact same question. So, so two people ask the exact same question. What makes one racist, one not? Well, according to well, because did, it's did not about because that? it's not about the question, right? It's about the person. So Barack Obama's not a racist, so he can ask the question. But this particular secretary is racist, so he can't ask the question. So says Roberts. So says Roberts. Because right. Barack Obama was demonstrably racist. Demo- yes, absolutely. Barack Obama's absolutely. a racist. Right. There's no question. Right. But that's, but see, that's, but isn't that the way the American society works today? If you have a lot of melanin in your skin, you can say the most hateful things about other people. You can call somebody orange. You can call them names. You can make derogatory statements and drawings about them if you have lots of melanin in your skin. But if you don't have lots of melanin in your skin, you make the exact same comments about somebody else, then you're a racist. Yeah, the Demo- that's the and, situational and the, racism sure. that we have in America. No, and today. the Democrats have made that the core platform. Their identity politics has been their core platform for quite some time, and, and race is race is it. Race is it. This go around, and uh, I it, it's it's really I ha- like social media is depressing if you kind of watch that stuff. It's uh, it, it's kind of frightening where it's to think about where it might be heading. Can I mention to you that, you know, we haven't done the Daily Journal. It's been over a week. It was Tuesday last week that we did the Daily Journal. And I I really, we've been so busy. I don't know if, if people believe me, but 22 classes in seven days. I we've believe. been absolutely so busy. I haven't looked at the news. People who follow me on social media have been asking me, if I've been picked up by the <laughs> FBI or the NSA or something, where did you go? But I haven't had time to look at this. And then sitting down and preparing for the show, and then I was on the Kate Daly show today as well as a guest, it just smacked me in the face again. You get sort of semi-purified of this stuff, and then all of a sudden you jump back in, and you're like, oh, make the world go away, you know? I, yeah. I oh, it's, it's so frustrating to me. The 
can I can I just say the juvenile nature of the way we deal with politics and what we see in society today? It's like the entire media and those who consume media on a regular basis are junior high juveniles. Because this is, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too insensitive. Somebody said to me, Chris Ann, your show is becoming so hard to listen to because you're so negative. Then turn it off. Turn it off. (laughs) You're too negative, JC. But here's the point I'm trying to make. Milk toast, snowflake, go go listen to SpongeBob. What you said about the Democrats making their entire, this entire 2020 is all about identity politics. Yeah. This will be a litmus of the American psyche. If we, if, if overwhelmingly Americans vote based on, on identity politics, I, it may be time to bunker out. No, that's, that's what I'm, that's kind of what I was feeling. You know, like I said, it's hard. It's discouraging to see where it might be headed because yeah. you see yeah. this stuff i mean people making stupid stupid comments and then 400 you know 400 comments on the post that just fall right in line and some of the most vile racist statements like the they had the panel with i don't know it was like seven white women they said one's a hispanic whatever but and that's the thing if, what if makes you, you white these days no, i don't I even know what, what that makes, makes you no white. what makes you white is you don't agree with the democrat narrative I mean, oh that's, so candace that's owens it. is Bottom, white now too oh, right yeah yeah oh yeah, absolutely right. so she's yeah, white no, girl. it doesn't matter so candace owens will be characterized as a white supremacist i mean literally they call her a white supremacist oh they have because she was she, defending hitler yeah, they claim she, she was defending right. hitler but she, she wasn't she hates herself i mean it's just constantly so if you don't if you don't like if you just don't flat out attack Donald Trump and hate Donald Trump and just follow with the with the leftist narrative, then like this whole the whole swath of these people are just programmed. You see the automatic responses and and they're and they're vile. And so you said, you know, the litmus test of if we're deciding on uh, identity politics. I, I think we're there. I think we've been there. Yeah, I, I'm just okay. Really so I'm still, I'm still holding. I, I still am full of hope because I, like I said, we travel all over the country. We see people, and I believe that there will be that we will that liberty and, and common sense will still prevail. I believe that it'll be a close running race, but I still believe yeah. that that they will prevail. And I'm, I'm really here. I am, JC. I'm holding on to the hope that we can make it hold out long enough for this next generation to come up because the next generation is actually mocking identity politics. You know, our, our son True. runs around and they're mocking this stuff. They Even yeah. a 13-year-old realizes I, how ridiculous all yeah, these claims and, of racism are. And you know me, and people know me that really know me, are, you know I'm a natural, I'm naturally a cynic. Yeah. I'm naturally <laughs> cynical. You know? Really? Uh, We'd have never guessed it. <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, that is a hopeful piece of it Look, because of what we see. So we travel and, and we encourage people with this. And I do share this. Cause, and a lot of times I'm talking to myself. I have to encourage myself. You do, because the media is overwhelming, but the media is not America. And but, we've got to realize what do. they show is not everywhere. Yeah. And so we do see, you and I see what mm-hmm. you're describing. So as we travel, we see an expanding group in the black community who's rejecting yeah, the leftist Democrat narrative. Absolutely. We see an expanding 
millennial, teenager, Absolutely. younger generation that is rejecting leftism. So that Shout side, the that side is growing, growing, growing. Yeah, yeah. And so I have, I definitely have to take encouragement uh, from that because, right. because in social, social media is not a good place because everybody's page is kind of an echo chamber. So you see one and then all the posts that follow this are, are going to kind of be the same. So you, all, you get this overwhelming blam of a bunch of nonsense all in one pet place. I'm a long, long way from my home And I'm going to change all the things I find The Chris Head Hall Show Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I hope that we've been able to bring to you today some of the things that maybe you weren't hearing other places. And we're always trying to bring to you these these kinds of in this kind of information from a a principled constitutional perspective. There's one more thing that I don't think is getting enough play in this fact that James Comey's daughter is now going to be the lead press prosecutor on Epstein's sex trafficking case. Yep. And the the really All in the cavalry. Oh, the only the only online printed news media source that's carrying this is Business Insider. I mean, you can, CNN's not coming. I mean, this is just crazy. And they notice that uh, Business Insider says this, conservative blogs and noted conspiracy theorists have basically claimed that Comey's connection to her father and her alleged political affiliations are a conflict of interest, suggesting with no evidence that she could fix Epstein's prosecution to either exonerate Clinton, who's been associated with Epstein, or to implicate Trump. You don't need proof for this to understand the possibility of this, because obviously her father has already been the chiefest of re of double application of law, Clinton rewriting lap, law. Clinton lapdog is what you Clinton, mean. Clinton, yeah, okay, so that's what I mean. Lapdog. Clinton lapdog. So understanding the possibility, let me tell you what the prosecutor can do. Right, the prosecutor can undercharge or overcharge. Right. The prosecutor can give sweet plea deals. We ought to know this from about Epstein already. Right. Epstein's already had his share of sweet plea deals. Mm -hmm. The prosecutor can refuse to prosecute certain witnesses and prosecute uh, or certain defendants and prosecute others. The prosecutor can give immunity to some people for testimony against other people. Right. Yeah, that's so. So what I'm noticing already as I as I look at the reporting and, and specifically what comes out of the court. So, I mean, the main thing is look at the court filings and, and how mm -hmm. they write it, what what that looks like, the charging documents. Um, and, and what I noticed so far is they're it's almost like they're putting the blinders on, like they're mm -hmm. they're focusing just on Epstein and, you know, these sort of handful of girls like they're really narrow. There's a there's a whole freaking list of associations and like they're not even talking Big about name associations. They're not even talking about what what did they call it? Uh, Sex Island and yeah. and, and, and Lolita, Lolita Island, Lolita and that Island. hotel yeah. and the dungeon like not so they're 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 ignoring that like oh nothing to see here. So that's what I've noticed. They're being really focused. So uh, that's another thing the prosecution can kind of 
you know, keep it, keep it in the thing because right, they know, can the ignore the day, everybody else. At the end of the day, as long as Epstein doesn't just spill the beans on everybody and turn over his videotapes and all that, then they can just prosecute him and be done with it and move on. Well, let, let me just or be could, clear. Or he could, you know, he accidentally could, commit suicide. He could totally spill the beans on everybody and share videos with the prosecution team on everybody. Mm -hmm. And the prosecution team doesn't have to turn any of that over to right. anybody if they refuse to file charges on the people in the videos. Right. So this is the power of the prosecutor. Fact, and hey, Business Insider, this is not conspiracy. I was a prosecutor for a decade. I can tell you the latitude that we have. It's not saying this is what she will do. It's no, it's what, a possibility. What she could do. What she could do. And, she, and here we know her political record. She's She gave donation to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. And even her father says that she wanted Hillary to be the first woman president. But that's uh, that, that's neither either and there, but it is further proof of the Comey-Clinton family attachment. I've I feel like we were talking about this in the car. I feel like, uh, you know, that, that uh, what is it, the Southern District of New York, when they filed these charges, I really think they, what they are trying to push is uh, Epstein's connection to Trump. And they're trying to yeah. tie Trump to this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're kind of finding out it's a really weak connection. They got so basically what came out is you know they were buds and then they weren't buds because they had a falling out apparently about his shenanigans. And yeah, but so the prosecutor that fit their narrative. Prosecutor can then find people, grant immunity to, who will make up stuff about Trump or highlight things that maybe aren't as exaggerated as they are in reality, and then and then come against Trump because that's what the prosecutor wants to do. Yeah. So the prosecutor has lots of lots of power. How about this? By the very fact of bringing this to trial, now they can gather up all that evidence, lock it down, and nobody ever sees it again. There you go. That's probably closer to the truth. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.